welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. And my name is Andrew. And we're here today with Lance from Dogman Devices. What, what? Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Hey. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, how's your month been? Um, it's gotten suddenly really good. <laughs> it's been pretty busy. Things have been going pretty well for me lately, really. But it's also kind of tinged with all of the other bad things going around in the world. So it's it's a little weird, honestly. Yeah, it's definitely it's 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 kind of a time where it, it feels weird for anything good to happen, even though good things are woefully overdue for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, for those who are listening, uh, Dogman Devices is based right now out of Ohio. Yeah. I love, personally. And uh, recently kind of got into at least my um, circle of knowing about things. I became aware of you all um, after Jason Isbell tweeted about you because someone asked him if he knew any uh, pedal builders who were people of color. And yeah. You. Yeah, it was... Um, I think how he had probably heard of me is that earlier that day, I was looking for other Black-owned guitar pedal companies to kind of see what sort of things they were doing that I... Like, I hadn't tried to find any others in a while. And I found a reddit post where that was from like the other day where people were doing the same thing and i saw that there were no black owned companies listed they had native audio on there which is also in ohio they're pretty cool but uh yeah but i I, um, posted about my company there and had like a little link to my site and my reverb site and i didn't really think much of it but then I'm guessing that's how he had heard of me because it's it's not like he's a friend of mine or anything. Yeah, in fact, did you even know who he was? No, I I didn't. That I all of a sudden had a bunch of things sell at once, and a few people messaged me that they had uh, heard of me from Jason Isbell on Twitter, and I had to look up who he was, and then was really excited. I think it's easy to forget that Jason Isbell, for being as famous as he is, is still niche. It's just a big niche. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely a niche. I hadn't really heard of him much. I like just a little bit in gear circles, but I've never made a point of listening to his music or really looking at what his history in the industry is or what he's been up to. So it's really just kind of know the name and that's about it. Well, he's a phenomenal lyricist, so... That's what I hear, but I mean, I'd never really heard of him before this kind of stuff anyways. So Lance, you're not alone. (laughs) I'm right there with you. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. So it's, it's great. Great to meet you. Um, it is, it does seem like kind of a small community of, uh, people, um, of color who own any sort of business and, in the gear industry, which is uh, sad to me. Yeah. Well, before we jump too far, too deep into the topic, why don't we start with, uh, let's just talk about what's new for everybody this week. We'll take it a little, uh, 
just take it a little easy for a few minutes here and then let's and then we can jump right in okay do you have me uh, to start uh sure i'll have you start and then I, but i really want to hear from lance like no offense to you but like yeah. I, I think lance sounds like a rad dude and i want to hear what's going on with him <laughs> yeah totally um so you break I'll, the yeah, ice I'll, I'll i'll try to pay attention Okay. All right. Well, I got the uh, Valco Blood Buzz pedal by um, Eastwood Guitars. I won that in a contest. I'm shocked. I was very surprised to to win it. It is really nothing can prepare you for how enormous that guitar pedal is. I think it might be bigger than my Milkman the amp. I'm. <laughs> I, I thought. I thought the Surfy Bear Compact was was big. The Valco Blood Buzz makes it look like a very reasonably sized sized pedal. It's hilarious how big it is. I can't stop laughing. And it opens up like so you can store things in it. And Ooh. I just keep thinking, I mean, that's where one would store marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> well, naturally. Big... Naturally. No, we don't need to hide it in... in in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, it's very legal. So ain't no point in hiding it, I guess, but uh, <laughs> it's cool. I was playing it on bass and I did a demo that launched uh, last Friday of um, me going through it on, on the bass guitar and the overdrive sounds like, okay on bass, but the fuzz is really fun, especially there's one setting that's like gated fuzz, which I guess is the, the love, love pedal or is it love pedal or love tone? Love tone. Love tone, a big cheese kind of sound is what the manual says. So I've been having a lot of fun with that, with that pedal for sure. That's cool. Yeah. I'm definitely stuck with the uh, image of Adam Sandler being like, and that's where you put your weed. <laughs> What's that from? <sighs> what movie was that from? I am oh, blinking. Was it an early career movie, or was it a later career movie? Earlier career, nineties, I think. I, for some reason, I want to say Wedding Singer, but that doesn't sound right at all. Oh, that's my favorite Adam Sandler movie. I haven't seen that in such a long time, but now I want to. <laughs> I remember when my 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 best friend was getting married. We had kind of like a little bachelorette party at her house and we were going to watch movies and her sister really wanted to watch the wedding singer like right before the wedding and i'm like maybe we don't watch the wet movie about a wedding where they they don't get married like let's watch an actual wedding movie where they get married at the end <laughs> it just seemed a little weird that girl loved her adam sandler <laughs> Adam Sandler is great. Waterboy, I think, is one of the greatest movies in the last couple of decades. But, you know. The last 30 years. Uh, I think in terms of, like, proper, like, American comedy, that's definitely up there. Were you alive when that movie came out? You know, that's a question I'd prefer not to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer is yes, but I really don't. I wouldn't bet money on it. Off the top of my head, because baby, I'm I'm 25. Thank you. I'm not that young. A little young, but not that young. Well, Waterboy came out in '98, so there you go. There we go. I'm safe. <laughs> I've not been voted off the island. Yeah. So, so Lance, what's that, what's new with you? Um, I got a bunch of parts for a batch of some pedals. Which I'm excited about. I also got a new soldering iron that the 
when I was using before, it was uh, it wasn't bad, but this one, I'm like excited about it. It's really nice. Uh, Isn't it funny the things we get excited about as yeah. adults? Funny, I think it's awesome. I've got a shelf coming today that I am so excited about that it's like a little nice. shelf that you put little plastic drawers in that I put my like electrical oh. components and stuff in and uh awesome. I have a few right now but getting this other one it will like double up how much space I have basically and I can can organize things in a better way I'm like so excited about it no I That's totally awesome. that makes so much sense I uh I remember it was like I was a teenager I'm like heard about the container store for the first time like that sounds dumb why would people be so excited? And I'm an adult now, you know, adult enough to be considered an adult. I still get crap for being 25, but so be it. But, you know, I, I, I'm moderately moderately responsible and I have a home and things that I want to put things inside of. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, that is actually kind of cool. Went back to Hobby I mean- or uh, to the container store like a year ago. I'm like, I was a little upset with how expensive everything was, but I was also like, there's some cool stuff here. I just walked around thinking of all the things I could organize. You go there to get ideas and then you find the stuff cheaper somewhere else. That's kind of my idea. But like <laughs> I have to convince my husband every time like I want to like add a bookshelf or storage to our lives cuz he's always like we don't need it. We don't need it. <laughs> and we get it and immediately it's like I love this. <laughs> I'm like yes. Yes. I was right. <laughs> That's cool. So you had to re-up your um, your uh, your supplies for your pedals? Yeah, that um, I'd been making things in really small batches. And uh, now that there's kind of more people wanting to get stuff, I I have the ability to make bigger batches than I have been, but just didn't really there's uh instead of building bigger batches i'd mostly just i'd make a small batch of something and then i would start kind of designing the next effect and yeah which i'm I'm still excited to do i'm still planning on doing that but right now there's also just a bunch of people who want to buy stuff from me so i want to go ahead and get stuff made for them too (laughs) yeah (laughs) i know you do you do fuzz pedals? Is that primarily it? Um, so that's what I have right now. Um, I'm putting the kind of last touches on an overdrive. And then the next thing that I want to do is kind of more on the like modulation or uh, time-based kinds of effects. That Those are the kinds of effects that I like the most that like got me into playing yeah. with effects. It wasn't really until like a couple yeah. of years ago that I got into fuzz. Yeah, you you said uh, before you were recording that you like kind of like noise music. Uh yeah, that like not not exclusively, but um, noise music is like how I got into making effects and things. That um, I used to be an English teacher in Japan, and uh, with some of the sketchy punk friends I made in the rural town that I was in, were also into noise. And they invited me to perform with them at this uh, like all-day noise event called Noise Jamboree. 
And at the time, the music I was making wasn't particularly noisy. But uh, a lot of the people there would have just, like, these weird devices and things. And I would ask them, like, what is that and where did you get it? And they would be like, oh, I made this. And one of them uh, was one of the people that works with the massive effects over in Japan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and it was like... I had never, it had never occurred to me before then that, like, I could just learn how to do this on the internet and start building stuff. And so, like, one of the first things that I saw that just mystified me that people mostly just make on their own is this, like, spring instrument. I don't really know what, how to describe it, because if you look at it, it's just a spring on top of a box with an output jack. And then you kind of like hit it and it makes kind of a boingy sound and you put it through effects. Yeah. And Is that right? Yeah. And I, I was forget, just. I forget what brand I know that. Yeah. There's a couple of people that have things out that like, like that out too, but. Yeah. I've yeah. seen, uh, I know Sarah Lipstate has something like that that she uses for, uh, for some experimental work that sounds yeah. really red. Yeah. That's actually. I don't know why. I just want to say Electrofetus, but I'm just getting a record store in in Minneapolis. Yeah, that's a. I used to live like two blocks from that record store. (laughs) Oh, really? You used to live like two blocks from Electric Fetus? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Did you just go there? Did you go there a lot? Uh, yeah, because like it was, it was in between my bus stop and my house, so I would walk past it on my way home and on my way to work every day so a lot of times on the way back from work i'd stop in there and look at stuff yeah i i love that record store it's cool so I, have, I have one of their guitar picks that i still use a lot <laughs> i think i have one of their guitar picks and uh i definitely have a, a shirt somewhere that doesn't really fit me very well uh, <laughs> i just like them a lot Oh, I have a pop socket on my phone from Electric Fetus. That's my big Electric Fetus thing. A pop socket? I'm just a big... Oh, yeah, so you stick on the back of your phone and it oh. pops out and it makes it easier to hold. I do know what those are. Yeah. I guess I didn't know what that was called. <laughs> yeah, and you could get little sticks to put, like, sticky things. So at my desk, I have a little sticky cradle for it in the wall so I can get it off of my desk and out of my pocket, but still, like... I'm able to see it and charge it and stuff. And uh, I have one in my car so that I can go hands-free when I'm using the Google Maps. And then every time I see it, I'm like, oh, Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't even remember how we started talking about... Oh, because I am I misspoke. That's right. No, I'm just judging Emily for having a pop socket. And I'm going <laughs> to do my best to put on my snooty, I'm a purist face. and Because uh, I don't have a case on my phone. Oh. I know. I don't even have a screen protector. Thing is, I have a case because I use it like a wallet. Like, I have a wallet case. And and again, I don't actually have a problem with you doing that, but this is a great opportunity for me to pretend like I'm snooty, so I'm going to take it. That's a little brother energy. It it makes up for being constantly mocked for being 25. (laughs) Just a little bit. Little buddy energy. (laughs) (laughs) I should make a shirt that says "Little Buddy Energy." <laughs> uh, Lance once had a, I went to a show with Andrew, and uh, 
I, I kept asking the, the people around me who, like, I knew, like, it's kind of one of those fans that you, like, follow around. And I, I'm like, has anyone seen? And I realized nobody knew who Andrew was. My little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, like, a month before I started a new job. And turns out, like, one of my soon-to-be new coworkers is at the show. And, like, I showed up for my first date. He's like, hey, were you at that show last month? Are you Emily's little buddy? And I'm like, whoa, buddy. I just – what are you talking about? I just met you. <laughs> So it's forever solidified, much to my chagrin. I like people who ask when, when there's a picture of the two of us together, if I'm really tall or you're really short. I think we're like exactly the same height, height too. I'm 5'7". I'm 5'7". Yeah. So I'm north of average and you're south of average by a scudge. I'm 5'3", so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit below average there. <laughs> Aww. Ain't nothing wrong with that. It doesn't bother me. Well, Prince is only 5'3", and everybody loves Prince. Yeah. Well, I love Prince. <laughs> Emily loves Prince. Yeah. Uh-oh. And I would say it's to, like, a frightening degree, but it's, all like, by far not the only person I know that loves Prince to said degree. And so, you know, there, she has safety in the communal aspect <laughs> of everybody loves Prince to that frightening degree, and therefore it's ordinary, and therefore it's not shocking. Yeah, I could be a weirder Prince fan. Oh, in Minneapolis. Yeah, in Minneapolis. Did you ever go to a Paisley Park? No, I I wanted to check it out. Uh, one of my old coworkers told me a lot about it, but no, I didn't end up checking it out. But I remember that, like you know, sometimes when you start a new job, they'll have you put in a little bio thing and they'll ask you little questions and I remember one was what's your favorite Prince song and it was like I <laughs> I wasn't sure what to say and I definitely was judged because of that <laughs> Do you have a favorite Prince song now? <laughs> See that's the thing is like I I've definitely heard way more Prince songs and have more in mind now, but I would still have to like actually look up what they're called and everything. That when you're driving around in Minneapolis, the that's Prince is on the radio at least once a day. So like, definitely got a lot more Prince in my system there than I have other places. I know the current still does like Prince hours every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds about right. Then. <laughs> mm-hmm. my but I think you're talking about the springy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't. Do we want to talk about Prince or do we want to talk about pedals? <laughs> I guess we can talk about pedals and stuff. I wasn't really going anywhere with that Prince story. Really, Emily. I clear Emily we've we've gone full circle and it was like a couple months ago I just kept forgetting to ask you what's new with you and I think I think the, the turns have tabled well the thing is my, my my little buddy is that um I was talking to our guest and now I can ask you what's new with you Andrew champing at the bit <laughs> there's there's actually not really anything that's terribly new with me um <laughs> I did, just for the sake of principle, I wanted to give you a hard time for it. Principle. I think I finished my pedal board build this week, or was it last week? I don't know. I've lost last track. Week. I've lost track of what time is officially. No love for principle. <laughs> Come on. Wow. No, I, wow. I noticed it. I laughed. 
much disrespect from again the turns have tabled you're telling puns now yeah and ignoring See, I'm, not gonna, I'm not i'm not gonna give you crap for saying the turns have tabled because i i say that also well it's a michael scott but, thing hmm. i thought it was a a big owl thing i thought that was something my grandfather said <laughs> that's not entirely unlikely i've never met big l i know very little about big l so i'm not going to speak for uh -huh. bit on on the behalf of big l Big Al is a man with a voice like Foghorn Leghorn. Why do I feel like I know Big Al? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was joking with Emily before I, the show that every time we have someone on the show from Ohio, there's always a connection. And I was joking like it's going to – like she's always going to end up like f realizing you have like a cousin in common or something like that. <laughs> I, don't just, have any, I don't have a lot of family in Ohio, guy. Like uh, at least not ones that I know. My dad kind of – um cut off a lot of he, he's not close with them i should say mm -hmm. so i wasn't so i don't really like i know i have a lot of family in dayton but i know none of them all right see. Mm. yeah but uh loveland ohio is where big al lived so unless you've been to loveland ohio lance in which case you honestly might have I mean, <laughs> come across big al i doubt you've met big al i just feel like i've heard someone else describe someone known as Big Al the exact same way that you just did. <laughs> so it's maybe wow. not that I've met him, but I think I've met someone who has met him before. Man, or if you ever figure that out, character. please let me know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's he, whew, he had a pet squirrel named Cuddy when he was a kid, slept in the bed with him. Quite a character. Kid Cuddy? <laughs> uh, squirrel, squirrel Cuddy. Kitty, <laughs> what a weird name for a pet. What, what happened to Kid Cuddy? I feel like I haven't heard that name in a really long time. I don't know where that just came from in my subconscious. Kid Cuddy, I haven't, th I haven't thought about Kid Cuddy in a long time. I feel like we're getting farther away from it. So let's do, let's do sponsors and let's, uh, and let's jump in head, head first. <clears throat> this week's episode is sponsored by Surfy Industries, based out of Europe with an office in Memphis, Tennessee. They make uh, spring reverb units, real deal ones, including the Surfy Compact, which fits on your pedal board. It's pretty awesome. It has uh, three springs in it, so it's a three-spring model with uh, two separate channels for mixing, so you can have that super washy sound for a couple of songs and a more subtle sound for a couple of songs and yes it will crash if you kick it it's pretty dope surfy industry surfy bear compact i love mine and you should try it i stand by it but I'm well that's typically what you do with pedals is you stand by them <laughs> sometimes on them <laughs> i usually sit by them no i don't Oh, I miss live shows. <laughs> we all do. Any other sponsors? Um, I feel like we had another one. Cool. What? No. Oh, I'm like looking around. And no. well, all right. So also, I would like to thank I would like to thank Surfy Industries for their um their their paid promotion of this podcast uh the payment was uh then donated to uh some bail funds across the country because Yay. the united states is one of the only countries in the world that has uh cash bail systems 
and maybe we should rethink that. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that it frequently gets used as a bargaining chip to just force plea, um, guilty pleas so people can get back to their families. But, you know. Yeah. What do I know about the systematic oppression of low-income minorities? Yeah, it really more negatively affects low-income people who can't afford cash bail. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, even it doesn't matter like, because people there are plenty plenty of innocent people, but in the end, like there's still humanity in in most people. Unless you're being denied bail because you did something extremely heinous, like a lot of these bail funds are going to protesters. So how it works uh, is that uh, there's a bail fund, and then they bail out protesters, and then when the the cash bail is returned because the protester has gone through the trial process, and then you get that returned, it goes to the next person. So it's, it really is a fund, like a collective fund. And that money, unless somebody skips bail, doesn't disappear. That's convenient. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't know how they work, so I looked it up. Yeah. The only thing I will say is that I, I think people who put ketchup on steak definitely should be denied bail. God. If, okay. Yeah. That's not the worst thing <laughs> to do to a steak, but it's like top three worst things I think you can do to a steak. The, the worst thing you can do to a steak, I think, is overcook it. That is definitely up there. Yeah. All it's right. Like well, enough of enough of my silly shenanigans about steak and my strong opinions on our cow brethren's destruction. Our, our bovine brethren, because cows are ladies. I mean, sure. Uh, I'm not really aware of the gender of my steak, generally. Right. This is getting really weird. I started with ketchup, which is a <laughs> smoothie, and now we're talking about the gender of the food that we eat. I I, I don't know so if I, I, have a, I have Listen, I have a client who they, they sell smokers, and I was just today looking at a graphic that our designer did about that was like where certain meats cuts of meat are on the animal and we were having this big discussion about like is this even the kind of bovine that one would eat <laughs> or is it a milk cow or is it something else yada 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 yeah. oh so you're not tough. selling cigarette users okay you said smokers oh yeah no <laughs> like meat smokers like pellet grill Wow. Okay, we're doing great. We're doing great. <laughs> we're just all over the map today. Let's get into the topics. Let's all right. About- so, Lance, <laughs> I, I I'm gonna open up and ask you a question that was posed by a pen named essay author. I'm not even gonna call it journalism because the article itself was just absolutely garbage in terms of some outright bias, some lack of proper representation of all parties involved uh, in the article, but it was an article talking about... It was an editorial. We can call it an editorial, but it was phrased as investigational journalism, which was just a farce. It was was irresponsible journalism at best. In my my personal opinion, I think I can say that fairly and objectively. But in the article, you you were brought up ever so briefly, um, and the article was about uh, a full tone getting dropped from Guitar Center and some allegations that Guitar Center had actually already been dropped by full tone. 
uh, plot twist uh, because Guitar Center owned Full Tone, something to the tune of like 60 grand and decided to default on it and just and terminate their distribution agreement. I don't really have much to say about that other than I am clarifying that that was the claims made in the article, and I don't have any sources that I'm willing to stand on at this point to deny or affirm any of those claims. But one of the things that got brought up is the author in his op-ed, to since we're going to be charitable here, uh, made some claims about cancel culture and uh, brought up Jason Isbell's tweet to you, so or, or tweet about you. And Jason Isbell made a uh, made a tweet that essentially said, "Full tone sucks, and we should be supporting black owned businesses in the gear industry." You guys can start with Dogman Audio, um, and the author. So, and I thought that was really neat. My first reaction out of that was like, "This is great. I like this." And the author I said, "Dogman." The author in his op-ed posed that the owner of Dogman Audio should be offended that he is being patronized and kind of accused Jason Isbell of treating you like the like a uh, like a token black man in the room kind of a thing. Uh, and I thought that was a bold statement to make, and I thought that was especially unfair given that the author hadn't reached out to you. So in an effort to be charitable and fair, I wanted to hear what your response is to that. I wanted um, like your honest response, whatever you have to say to that thought. Okay. Well, uh, one thing it's, it's dog man devices, but um, that's not the takeaway there. The, uh, so I wasn't for a second offended at all by Jason's tweet that uh, as I had said I hadn't heard of him before and it wasn't I didn't see it as him patronizing me is that like I saw him as bringing up a salient point about supporting like businesses of color essentially because it the whole situation just reminds me of like what I went through when I went to college and learned about feminism is that like, if I want to hear the voices of women, I have to make a deliberate effort to do that because they are not represented. And I think it's people are understanding that's the same thing with black people that if you want to find things made by black people, you can't just search for the thing that you're looking for. You need to specifically search for things by black people. And so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think Jason was being patronizing. I thought that he was being like, I I don't like the term woke, but it's the most <laughs> way that I can think of how to express what I'm trying to say. Maybe? Yeah, that it, it, I, I, I interpreted it as a very supportive thing and almost especially because one thing that he did say in that tweet is that he has not used my stuff before. It's not like he, he like he he's doing this based on my rep on my reputation of like he's probably looked at my website, saw that stuff looked good. And I had some things on sale and consignment in a shop in Minneapolis. But I I don't think that I don't think people have been buying stuff from me necessarily because I am black i think that they want to support black businesses and that i have a product that they actually like so it's uh like i don't know if that 
It's making as much that sense. Totally. Okay. Yeah, no, you're making total sense. And I think that's a, I really appreciate your answer there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's funny to me how many times white people try to tell black people and people of color what should offend them. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a woman, like I also get that end of, of the stick. Uh, so I like, I can't empathize with it directly, but tangentially I can definitely empathize with uh, someone telling you what should and should not offend you. Like, Oh, well you should be mad that you got this guitar gig because, because you're a woman and they wanted a woman. I'm like, no, I, one, I don't think that they would have hired me or bought my product if they thought I wasn't, like, at the very least good enough for the job. And that yeah. they're making, to me always, it's like that they're making an effort to diversify what's on their stage or what's on their record is extremely meaningful to me. Yeah, it, it really meant a lot to me that Jason would tweet about me like that because it that simple action on his part has made an enormous impact on my life. Like, I, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about the fuzz that you have? I'm curious about it. I haven't heard it. Yeah, uh, there's a, on Instagram, which I wish I had their usernames just ready to go, but uh, on Instagram, there's a couple of the guys who would, that had just bought one and had some little videos on. And actually next Friday, I'm going to be uh, recording some better quality audio samples for the fire fuzz and also the earth overdrive that I'm coming out with. So the people nice. will be able to hear it soon. But anyway, it's um the idea for it. So I, I guess let me back up a little bit. When I was first starting to uh, come up with my own ideas for effects, I was using a uh, five input daisy chain to power my things. And I always use a loop pedal. So it was like, I have four things. What kind of four basic things would I want to have? And then that got me thinking about like the classical elements and then what kinds of effects would track to those sorts of things. And like with uh, fuzz or with fire, I mean, fuzz just seems like the the obvious choice. And uh, I was thinking that I wanted to make a kind of harsh fuzz, but I also wanted it to work well with like bass and kind of down tuned guitars because I, in my like solo band, it's just me and like I'll use an octave down pedal a lot and I I just think a lot of the kind of gain effect pedals that I have just don't work super well with like the octave down or if I just have my guitar tuned super down yeah so I, yeah I a lot of dirt pedals can get really flubby on the low end yeah, yeah. that's true yeah and I just yeah. wanted to make it so that I got a nice clear bass response and I don't know. I played around with a lot of different ideas for a while. I wanted to keep the circuit itself kind of simple too, and the art and everything on it. I wanted everything to just be kind of elementary for this first set of things. And then I 
got a bunch of other weirder, more complicated ideas I want to get into, but uh, the Fire Fuzz, it's um, it's two silicon transistors, and then there's uh, one germanium clipping diode and one silicone clipping diode, and uh, by itself, it's like, you can get it pretty harsh, it almost gets sort of synthy, but it also cleans up a lot, like especially with the volume on the guitar with the fuzz all the way down and you roll the guitar's volume back it can almost be kind of like an overdrive type of sound but uh wow that sounds awesome uh yeah when you make some more could you give me a heads up because i would love to i would love to buy one and do a demo of it definitely that would be awesome i'm uh i'm building some more right now that um Right now, there's, like, just a couple that are built in this uh, new style that I'm doing, where things are, like, polished and engraved instead of powder-coated. I just have a couple of test things that I did with that, and then uh, I think next Wednesday I should have the circuit boards to actually make some more. But I'm going to do a run of some of those fires and also the new overdrive and a handful of other weird little devices that uh like i was talking about earlier that sort of spring thing i'm working on one of those and also got this weird feedback loop thing but those are i don't really know quite what to call those other than just weird devices because they aren't really effective yeah but noise makers and i i sorry i i actually remembered I, I know I now feel not so bad that I kept thinking electric fetus because the brand that I was thinking of is Electro Faustus. <laughs> oh yeah, they I that does sound familiar. That they have a let me look that up. So I think it's a really similar yeah. idea. I'm like eighty percent sure they have the spring thing and I've always been yeah, it's called the the black fly. They have one called the black fly. And it's just so cool. Yeah, there. It's a so my exposure to them was with noise, but you can also make some really like kind of soothing, ambient type stuff with it too. That like if you don't put it into a fuzz pedal, it it doesn't just feed back constantly. But <laughs> but then yeah, with That's the fuzz awesome. pedal, it it's confusing really with the fuzz pedal because it will sound just like so much chaos is happening and it's like nah it's just hitting this little spring but yo i i got a a recording gig and on one of the songs they literally just wanted me to like use my pedals to make noise underneath to like like uh give the effect of having a migraine headache <laughs> So, I mean, there's people who do it, like, underneath otherwise very melodic sounds. Like, I think, yeah. and that's that's the reason I got that gig is because I had pedals that could do that. And so, like, that's something that people really love, I think. I love it. I love uh, crazy I noise it, in general. I think it's something that, like, noise music as a genre is, like, really like obtuse and hard to get into but elements of noise are in all sorts of things and in in my 
perspective, I think of noise as like the cutting edge of music where it's like, so some things are so far out there that it's hard to conceptualize them as music, but then you can take little parts of that and mix it into more of a regular song and it can be just a cool texture. Yeah. I mean, I I think of it like soundscaping. Yeah. Yeah. Noise can, can trigger such an emotional reaction in people. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So not super in like noise music. Uh, I, I always kind of thought of it like stemming out of like shoegaze into post-rock and then kind of just taking like the next natural step from there. Uh, yeah. And see shoegaze and post-rock are, those are my bread and butter really. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry, uh, well, I just kind of wanted to hear more of your thoughts on how that plays into things. And then it, also would love to hear your thoughts or like what are your favorite shoegaze and post-rock bands or let me outside of like my bloody valentine and slow dive and ride kind of <laughs> stuff and you know the the, the staples um but moving um, up to contemporary stuff yeah um well with shoegaze i listen to asobi sexu a lot that they're i just love that band and then um I know that they're based in America. I don't think that they're actually active anymore, but I I was a Japanese studies major in college, and I used to live in Japan, and I just really enjoy hearing Japanese, and I think that it works really well with shoegaze for some reason. So one of my main things that I will do if I'm in the mood to listen to shoegaze is there is a YouTube channel that's just called Asian Shoegaze, in every video that they have on there is just so good. <laughs> and uh I'm trying to think of another band off hand right now and I cannot. But with post rock, uh post rock is what got me into playing the electric guitar in the first place. That uh page lost, the like or PG lost, I don't I guess they're a Swedish band, but mm-hmm. I remember when I was like 16 hearing them for the first time and being like what in the world like how are they doing this and that's like how I I had been interested in playing all sorts of instruments and stuff before then but and I it's not like I never heard people use effect pedals or anything like I've listened to Pink Floyd and stuff Jimi Hendrix but it uh Something about the way that they were using it as, like, a texture just really got me. And uh, I still yeah. like them a lot. And, like, Yindi Halda is, like, my favorite band. To the extent where I don't really like to talk about them with people because someone tells me that they don't like them. I'm, I'm not going to be able to talk to them anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a good band. Oh, wow. yeah, that's, that's some good love. Um yeah, just just so you know, I don't know if you'd be interested, but we do a visual thread for every episode in our Facebook group. I don't even know if you're on Facebook, but uh, happy to invite you to that group if you want to be, and so you can drop some links to like what you think are like the songs that people should listen to. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm not on Facebook a whole lot. That uh, I don't know. L- lately, I've been getting oh. on it a bit more, partly because yeah. of the pandemic, but also like before I had mostly just done all my business stuff just through like Instagram and on the wild wide internet 
and people have been contacting mm-hmm. me on Facebook about it lately too. So I want to be a bit more attentive to that. Nice. Uh, the other, th- you could also just email me some some clips, and uh, I could post those for you. Cool. Yeah. I'll make a note. To... Nice. Cool. So, um, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about was we we've mentioned a few times that there aren't a ton of uh, pedal companies that are owned owned by by people of color. Um, there's you. There's native devices, and I know there's one one other native owned um, pedal company uh, that is just escaping me. Minor glitch electronics, I think, is what they're called. Yes, that's 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 exactly right. And, and I know that like I'm typically generally of the opinion that uh, representation is so important because I just don't think that I think it's kind of common for people to not even have the idea that they can do something until they see somebody else who looks like them or has similar background to them doing things. Like I never really thought about guitar pedals until um, brands like Earthquakers started advertising their pedals with, with women. And I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Cause I just, I just had the, the memory of like Alison Robertson from the Donna's doing a, a, an ad for Marshall amp saying that she didn't play any pedals. I'm like, well, maybe I don't need any pedals. Um, it's kind of different, but I'm kind of wondering, like, how did you get into building pedals and whether or not you have any kind of thoughts about why it's still so rare to see a a pedal company that's owned by someone who's not a, a, a white guy? Um, yeah, so I think a big part of they're just not that not being very many uh, people who just aren't white guys making pedals is that you could say that's really the case for just a lot of business owners in general that it's like I, I don't have any statistics here but it seems like most businesses are owned by a white dude and then so in different yeah. industries it's like it I I think that tracks over to other industries as well. I think with the guitar pedals, I I really don't have a great explanation for why there are so few. Because, like, there are black people playing guitar. There's black people doing, like, stuff with electronics. That, like, uh, one really cool program that I heard about recently is Afro Rack. That they're in Chicago and they teach a... Uh, uh, teach kids about like modular synthesizers and stuff like that, and that's that's really that's cool. Awesome. And there's yeah, and there's people who are building other stuff. I'm not sure why they aren't making guitar pedals. So I've been able to find some yeah. uh, people making guitars that are like black owned companies, but which I really wish I had one of their names off the top of my head. But uh, Calbran. <sighs> There was someone that I had heard of just the other day that was like, I can't find my phone now. Um, anyway, yeah, though. Calbran uh, Design is the one that I know of, and I know that Layla, Layla City, who built my, um, my Tuna Tone, she's, she's a woman of color as well. And I think that there are organizations like She Shreds who are trying to in- increase... Um, awareness of 
of brands that are, are owned by people of color. And there's a ton of guitar brands in, like, South America, is my general understanding. But in the United States, it still seems aggressively rare. Yeah, and I think I think part of it is also an issue of representation in the first place, that now that it is known that there's me, Native Audio, and Minor Glitch Electronics, I've been talking with those guys a little bit too, but I, I want to be like, part of what I feel like I can do in the situation that I am to improve the state of like racial tensions, tensions is the wrong word, but to kind of improve things would just be to be like to have my mm-hmm. face out there to for like a couple of uh, uh, a couple of people have talked to me on Instagram that have been like they're interested in getting into making pedals and stuff and are just excited to see that there's other people who aren't white dudes that are doing it and I don't know for me starting the company and stuff I didn't really think about all that stuff too much but I also got introduced to the like world of building pedals and stuff in Japan like it's it's not a bunch of white guys building stuff in Japan it's it's Japanese people and uh right people that I was talking with they weren't like electronics engineers or anything that they were like that I remember some dude telling me that he built that spring thing and I was like what like are you some type of genius and he's like no this is a this is just a contact mic you can you can learn how to do all of this stuff on the internet dude like and wow yeah and that that knowing that it actually has a kind of low bar to entry just had me super intrigued and i don't know i've always been into sort of weird music and stuff and just a lot of just sort of odd things in general. So in a lot of cases, it's like there is not someone else who looks like me doing this. Whether it's as simple as like I'm a straight man that likes knitting, that people will get blown away by that sometimes. I that, don't see that's cool. I don't know why more men don't knit. It is so cathartic. Well, I it... don't. Knit, but I've seen my mom just do it for days. I started knitting because. I had uh, lost a hat that I liked a lot, that it was just like this regular knit cat that had like the ear flaps, and but it also had like a brim that would roll down. But it, like normally it's one or the other, and That's I was such talking. Such a Homer to... Fudd thing. <laughs> yeah, and I was talking to one of my friends that um. She just did like a lot of textile stuff in college and everything about like, oh, do you think I could? just sew some flaps onto a hat that's like that and she told me i should just learn how to knit and i was like yeah i should and got really into it for a while because it is fun and it's cool to build things nice. for yourself it's also always... a nice thing to do for somebody to yeah it's a, it's a it's a nice easy gift for people to <laughs> definitely and like oh. guitar pedals knitting is a very expensive hobby yeah, you can. It, it's expensive, but you can also kind of get into it 
sort of cheaply too. Like you know, you can get some knitting needles from the dollar store. They're not gonna, you know, I wouldn't start like an assembly line level organization with that stuff, but you can learn how to. And it's kind of like the, yeah. I don't know. There was something else I was gonna say, and I. I don't remember what got me talking oh, about. You're, you're saying that you're you're used to there not being a lot of other people who look like you doing oh. the things that you enjoy doing. Yeah, and so that was something I had already been kind of used to. I had looked up other black-owned uh, guitar pedal companies, and when I didn't find anything, I didn't think that it's like, oh, they're not out there. It was just that, like, oh, they just must not be advertising that that's one of their things that, like... I don't know who is behind most companies. It's not something I normally look that deep into. But then I also yeah, got... Yeah, I've heard rumblings that there are, like, guitar pedal companies that are owned by women, but they just don't advertise that they're owned by women because they think that might negatively impact something. Yeah, I've heard of stuff like that before. That, um... Cause yeah, I've tried to find just women-owned guitar pedal companies. I don't know if that's proper english there but that's how i heard about like she shreds media like a year or two ago nice and yeah it's i like them but uh she shreds is great i i do some writing and marketing for them sometimes oh really that's cool yeah. uh, as someone who doesn't have financial uh reason to say so i i also think she shreds she shreds is great <laughs> I mean, I said she tries was great before I started writing for them. <laughs> I know, I'm just giving you a hard time joking about bias. Yes, I'm so biased toward great organizations. That's my bias. <laughs> As you should be, in my humble opinion. I'm biased towards good-ish. <laughs> no, but another good-ish. thing that uh, the whole part of the whole problem of representation I think why part of that hadn't quite crossed my mind when I was forming the company too was that like when I got into playing around with pedals I got a loop pedal and a uh, and a like Digitech multi-effect unit and I was content with those two things for like a decade and so like I didn't yeah. I wasn't like super into gear or anything that it was like this thing does all the stuff that I want it to do. It didn't really have any distortion channels on it that I liked that much, but I like No, those things have terrible I, distortion channels. I yeah. And why I started to want to get other pedals was just because they're like modulation effects. You can only use one at a time. So, like, I couldn't use an octave down thing and a phaser at the same time. And it was mostly just to play around with that stuff that I started getting more. But it wasn't really till I moved to Japan that I started actually getting more into gear stuff. Because I just moved there without any of my equipment. And so it was just kind of starting over. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to get a... I'd rather, I just thought it would be cool to get devices that each do one thing. And then I heard about uh, Pedals and Effects on YouTube with uh, Juan and Nick that the first episode of that that I saw was him interviewing Nick. And I bought a Line 6 DL4 like midway through that video. It was blowing my mind. (laughs) uh, Nice. But then, yeah, it was after that that I started learning about 
yeah, I, I've been wondering what's going on with Juan, but I know he was in, like, a coma, and last I heard, he was kind of getting better and walking around and stuff, but I haven't yeah, heard much. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, considering they weren't entirely sure if he'd make it, so. Yeah, I... Uh, it's... Yeah, that, like, a lot of times... are heroes. Yeah. And I don't know, a lot of times things will happen with famous people, and it's like, oh, that's a person I've heard of that sucks, but, like, Juan getting in that accident was the first time that it was like, this is a person I've never met, and I am, like, tore up about this. (laughs) But I think he's, despite him being a person I've never met, has had, like, a kind of, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing right now if I hadn't started watching his stuff on YouTube. Oh, man, I think he would love that. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm not (laughs) trying to fish to talk to him or anything, (laughs) but it would be cool. (laughs) No, like, uh, Tara Malos is, like, one of my favorite bands, too, that it's just cool that him and Nick do that together. That definitely has been a... I don't know. And they're both Inspired apparently just devil. such sweet, sweet people. Such sweethearts is just all I've ever heard about either of them. Yeah, it's Especially totally once. believable that they they seem like cool dudes. Yeah, I saw them. They did um, a little pedal demonstration at this store that I would bike to sometimes called the Guitar Store um, in Seattle, and uh, it was just so so mind bending to see. To see them actually do that stuff live. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're closing in on, on uh, about an hour. Is there anything else that uh, you want to talk about, promote, get off your chest, shout out while, uh, while you're on the podcast still? Um, I... Yes, I do. I mean, I, I one thing is I'm not on Twitter, so I'm not actually sure if Jason was able to see my thank you to him that I had mentioned on Instagram. So if if he's listening, I definitely do want to thank him for for doing that because it, despite what that uh, in air quotes journalist may have said about the about the tweet or whatever, I think it actually is a good thing that he did and not just for me, that I think it's like is a pretty clear demonstration of a way that people in a position of privilege can use that to lift up other people and uh, so yeah, I'm just definitely really thankful for that and for everybody who's been buying my stuff and emailing me and everything, it's been really cool I uh, want to be available as a person to other people in the like not white man community that want to get into making effects and weird stuff like that. I I don't know. I'm starting to ramble now, so I guess I'll just cut it off there. <laughs> no, that was great. Honestly, like no, no, that was no super heartwarming. I really appreciate that, and I think. <laughs> 
I think since Emily runs our Twitter account that she should tag Jason in this episode when it comes out. I will. I love Jason Isbell and I don't think he listens to this podcast, but (laughs) if he did, it would make me so excited. (laughs) Oh man. I've seen him live so many times. Well, Lance, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you uh, opening up, sharing your thoughts, uh, your honesty, your perspective, all very much appreciative, especially your, uh, your, your kindness in dealing with the fact that I mispronounced your company name like five times at the beginning of the episode. I feel so terrible. <laughs> what were you I'm saying, so Norman? So I, can you, can we, I'm really curious about the name. I always like to ask people about their, their brand names. How did the dog band devices happen? Oh, it's a, it's really not that interesting of a story that uh, in college, me and my buddy had a tendency to address each other as man or dog a lot. And after a while, kind of wanted to change it up and started calling each other dog man and man dog. And I started to just address <laughs> everyone as dog man. And then they would start to call that back to me. So in my mind, everyone was dog man, but in their mind, I was just dog man. And... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. That's like Rat Boys and how that name came up. <laughs> There's a band called Rat Boys. Go ahead. Uh, this isn't quite related, but there is a, um, at that same time, I was taking a lot of like metal art classes in college. And one of the little projects that we had was to put, like, make, like, a simple 3D puzzle thing. And I made a catfish, but it was, like, half cat, half fish. And it was just thinking about the same dog man thing, that it was just too physically complicated to try to cut out, like, a man and a dog and make it look like a, kind of like a... A centaur, but with a dog, it's it's kind of it doesn't really track. It looks kind of just like a little centaur. <laughs> it's like a... old, um, it's like um, those Egyptian hieroglyph uh, hieroglyphics. I think is yeah. how that's supposed to be said, where they have like the the dog heads. Yeah. On the humans. No, they're like dogs. You like dogs? It's a point of a caravan. Well, fucking wheels. Sorry, I'm I'm quoting a movie. I do that. It's a good movie. Have you guys? You guys? Do you do you know the movie Snatch? No. Yeah, but I I've I've seen it, but it's been like on while like playing Settlers of Catan or something. Like it's. I've seen it, but it's been like other people have seen it and love it, so they just have it on in the background while we're doing something. Right. It's not the best right, way to first right. experience a movie. No, that's it's. I feel like you got to sit down and if you're an American, you got to sit down and watch it with subtitles because some of the accents <laughs> are just so thick. Is that a Guy Ritchie movie or something? Uh, I don't remember who directed it off the top of my head, actually. Um, I, Brad Pitt was in it, though, and he does the most insane accent. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, see, I think that was why we were going to put it on was for Brad Pitt's accent, and I like don't even remember it. <laughs> it is a crazy accent. It's almost unintelligible. Like even the subtitles, like you, you turn on subtitles and it just listed as unintelligible. 
Isn't it? Um, isn't it kind of like how Boomhauer talks on King of the Hill? If you guys are familiar with King of the Hill, oh, it's been a little bit since I've seen King of the Hill. So long. Uh, do yourself a favor. It's a pro. It is. It is so funny. Still, like, definitely highly recommend King of the Hill. Nice. Oh yeah, no, I, I, it's coming back to me now. It's the character that it's got that thick drawl. You can't really understand anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that kind of thing, except Brad Pitt shows up shirtless frequently, and I. Uh... Ooh, two thousand and one, Brad Pitt with no shirt. No shirt and fighting, uh, fighting in the ring. So. Nice. 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 So, so if like you're... Fight Club, but less white male rage. <laughs> I sure. Probably still a lot. I don't know. It's one of the like most intelligent movies on the planet, I think. It's super dry British humor. Every like, There's not a single line that is just filler. Everything plays into each other. And then the, the twist at the ending, because of course it has to have hey. a twist. Okay, but saying that there's a twist is kind of like a spoiler, so I didn't say I wasn't <laughs> going to watch it. Uh-huh. Wow. There also might not actually be a twist. I might just be saying that, and then you'll be like, wait, what? No, that was super predictable and get all upset. Wow, I just yeah, I think people really need to learn saying there's a twist at the end is a spoiler. It Did you guys is. see the new M Night Shyamalan movie, dude? Did you see the twist? <laughs> like it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. Of course, there's a twist. Well, that's that's the exception. Like you know that he has twists, and sometimes they're very bad. Like, I don't know. I haven't watched one of his movies in forever, but we're getting farther away from it. We're getting um, so far off topic. Anyways, yeah. this is my way of saying thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate having you on. No, thanks yes, for yeah, having thank me. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for responding to my weird random Instagram message. Ah, oh, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, it's uh... I was like, oh, he's, he's getting inundated right now with requests for things. Yeah, but it's exciting. <laughs> got, a, got a lot of problems that I never considered were possible so it's like they're problems but they're like really good problems to have so yeah. getting inundated with know. emails is one of those <laughs> well good yeah. problems to have good indeed well yeah thank you so much everybody please check out dogman devices i'll include links in the show notes also, uh, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash getoffset. If you want to support us as we do the podcast, that'd be super swell. We also have merch at getoffsetpodcast.com. Or if you don't want to spend money uh, on us, if you could just rate and review this podcast on iTunes, um, it really helps us in our in the rankings and get more getting more listeners and things like that. Um, so if you do listen to this podcast, please, 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 please leave a review. Um we really appreciate it. Um, anyway, thanks for listening and thanks for understanding. Once again, I'm Emily. I'm Andrew. That's Lance. I'm Lance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, you're about to listen to Michelle. Goodbye. One, Bye. Two, three. Bye. Bye.